Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast. Oh, the horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can visit our website at www.ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Don't forget them, their W's. Don't forget the W's. Boy, we uh, had a little technical problems last week well, on, on hey, launch. It yeah. happens. Yeah. Well, the nice part was is it resolved pretty quickly. Yeah. Apple fell behind a little bit. Yeah. But it happens. Thanks. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your patience. Yes. Thanks for uh, sharing the fairy love. Yeah. Yeah, we we'll, got so excited. We'll in try to fairies. be. Uh, we'll try to be more. That more we forgot to tell you a, what we were going to be talking about. This I week. know black cats. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I don't have the giggles right now. I had a bit of the giggles last one on the intro. Well, I, I pulled mean, this one off. You sure did. Yeah. Yep. Um, you're typically not a giggler, but. Mm. But when I get them. Oh yeah. I got them. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It's uh yeah, black cats today. Yep. Brings into the old uh superstitions portion that we cover into. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. It's pretty interesting. I I'm a big fan of superstitions. I think it's pretty neat what people cling on to, what they don't. Their believies. Well, yeah. So I'm gonna do a little intro on superstitions because I think it's pertinent. Are we gonna play Stevie Wonder? No, we're not, because we don't have the money for licensing. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I wish I'd thought of that, because I would have played it regardless. <laughs> it's a good song. It is a good song. No, it's weird. Superstitions. Like, well, number number 13. Before you get into it. Of course. Let's get, let's do our uh, sources. sources. Mine are easy. Yeah? Yeah. Are, are, is yours the gospel of Frank? Mine's various sources of the internet. That's my sources. Okay. If you're uh, if you're peeved about it and you and you heard some of your stuff, I'll give you credit next week. Email I, us. <laughs> I used a WallStreetJournal.com article called mm-hmm. "The Dark Lore of Black Cats" by Amanda Foreman. PetPlace.com, CarnegieMNH.org, Superstitions and Black Cats, mm. and EthosVet.com blog post. Where did Black cats get their bad rep. Mm, yeah, they got a bad rep. So tell us about superstitions. Superstitions. Well, I thought it'd be a good intro to this because it's really kind of where this all rests. Yeah, yeah, you it know, does. You got like number 13, four-leaf clovers, the old walking under an open ladder. Yep. Stepping on a crack on the sidewalk. Yep. Opening an umbrella inside. Yep. You know, for those that are looking for superstition examples, I got you covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird how superstitions kind of evolve. Yes. And they and some stick. Because as a child, you can get big into superstitions, but then you meet adults that are very big into superstitions. You'll throw the salt over the shoulder deal. I still do that. There's a lot of people who do it. 
Um, How about the superstitions when you get into sports? Very much so. I'm going to cover that. Oh, very nice. Because basically um, I dug up a study that was published in um, the International Journal of Psychology and Behavioral Sciences. It was somebody kind of quoted it. I'm one of the sources of black cats, but I dug into the study just to kind of check it out. And what they were looking at was like the origin of superstitions. And basically they perceived it as a way of creating the perception of having control over outer conditions. Yep. So this would mean that superstitions are used to create an understanding and exert control over aspects of our lives that we may have little to no control over. Like weather. Yeah. Weather, Mm -hmm. outcome of a sporting event that you're participating in. It's a lot of evidence that there uh, that performance and skill based activities may be improved when locking enhancing superstitions are employed. Correct. So it's a psychological benefit or basically what it is at the crux of it. This is the crux of the study. Yes. That they determined was that it was a reduction in anxiety for an for individ- the individual for the person. Yeah. yeah. So have, you had, had that on one of your links. Yeah. 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 I dug into the study because the study was pretty interesting how they did it. Just different tests. And I won't get too, I won't get into that, but, but the study was pretty cool. And, and it made me think about it because in sports, especially in high school, I had a lot of superstitions. I played tennis. I had the, um, at one point I had the pumps. Yep. The Reebok pump tennis shoes. They were the Andre Agassi ones. Everybody had Pump shoes. No, but what sort. I'm getting yeah. at is, is I had a certain amount of pumps that I had to do for each foot. Yep. And that would be part of the ritual. And it's... it's. Did you have lucky underwear and lucky socks? Mm-mm. No, no. I had the pumps. I would have a ritual when I practiced. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stray from that. Okay. I had to do these certain things. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing for golf, actually. It's pretty eerie. I think more of it is just me trying to cover certain things. But if, like, I don't do it that way and I'm not playing, I'm like, well, you know, I didn't do putting over here in the putting green. And I didn't do this over (laughs) here. I didn't use my little training thing. You know, like, I got this little. I didn't spin four times counterclockwise. See, I don't have that. But. Once once clockwise. I did have the lucky quarter. You did have a lucky quarter. And I used that for, for years to make tons of decisions. Yes. And. That's where reading, further reading the study, the reduction in anxiety, that's the key. Mm-hmm. It's the whole key to the superstitions thing. I really? really, I'm a firm believer in it. That's all it was for you was just taking the anxiety out of the decision-making process because the quarter would take on that, that role? Well, and I think, I can't remember, I want to say at one earlier episode we mentioned this, so I'm sorry if you... You know, some of the listeners are going to hear this twice, but the purpose of the quarter for me Uh was to make up my mind quickly. Okay. It wasn't to hem and haw over things. So, for example, and it wouldn't define the decision either. Right. So, for example, let's say, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of an example of something where, all right, I'm going to do two different things today. I'm either going to work on item A or item B, mm-hmm. but I can't do both item A and item B right. you can in the only same do day. One. I can only do one. So now I have to pick one. And if I wasn't able to pick one, I would flip the coin. Okay. And A would be heads 
B would be tails. Okay. And if it landed on tails, if I was very excited about it being on tails or like a feeling again of relief, mm-hmm. then then that's what you tails want. and item B was what I was going to work on. Right, but subconsciously. But, that's what you wanted to work on anyway. Well, yeah, but it also kept the anxiety down. Yep. And and I realized how much that really did help me in a lot of high stress situations or things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, adversely, if I flipped a coin and, and it, it landed on tails and it was B, but I was like, oh, I kind of wish it was A. Like that gut feeling like inside, I was like, oh, I don't know about, you know. Yeah. Then I would just go right to A. Right. Because either way you got your answer. Yeah. Either way I got an answer. It was a good answer. Right. And it kept me moving. Mm-hmm. Because I, you sit there and you think about how many people will just sit and and just swell, swelter over a and choice. Spiral out of control. Just and just sit there and be like, well, I don't know what, what do to I do. do. Yep. You know what? I'm not going to do either of them. Oh. I'm going to do this other thing. That was the decision on what to have for lunch in the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, seriously? It's food. It's food. And guess what? Do you want a sandwich or do you want pizza? If you don't like what you get today, next week, you can get the other thing. It wasn't yeah. even next week. No, no, I'm Usually just saying. it was the next day. Yeah, or like a couple times a day. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that would drive me nuts. And I yeah. think the coin helped me with a lot of stuff like that. So, I wouldn't do it for food, but, you know, because okay. food, I, I'm defined by food. Food chooses me. I don't choose food. <laughs> <laughs> does the food call you like the ocean calls me? No, it really does. <laughs> like, like, I'm just going through the day and I'm like, oh, a cheeseburger would be great. Seriously. And then I find the cheeseburger. Yeah. It could be at like a Five Guys or it could be just something as quick as like McDonald's or Burger King. Uh-huh. Or it's like ground beef at home. Like I'm going home. I'm going to grill it. I am making but a I am burger. having a burger today. And that's. So let me ask you a question. Sure. You had this quarter. Yeah. It helped with the anxiety with the decision making. Mm-hmm. What did you do? After you spent said quarter. After I spent said quarter. What do you do? Well, and this is what I think was actually a cool thing, is it just trained me to make quick decisions. Okay. And you know me. It's kind of like, I don't love dog. You were conditioned. Yeah. No, but it was, I (laughs) think it was adequate training for me to just make a quick decision. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing for people that are, have a hard time making decisions. Mm-hmm. It's really great on an A or B scenario. Right. Like, like a yes or no. Should you stay home or go somewhere today? Right. Something like that. Yeah. Start with that. Flip the quarter. A, stay home. Should I stay or should yeah. I go now? A, stay home right. or B, go they somewhere. Go nope. And if you hit A and you're just kind of like, oh, I kind of wish it was outside. Well, you got your answer. Go outside. Right. Don't think about it anymore. Nope. Don't. Just do it. Yeah, just just do it and go. Mm-hmm. And the other way around, if it flipped on there, it just, you know, oh, go out. Uh, I kind of want to just relax today. Yeah. You know, or I kind of wish, you know, and it's that quick. Either way you get your that answer. That quick yep. thing and you got mm-hmm. an answer and you go. I think the greatest quote ever on making decisions was by Rush. Mr. Neil Pert. If you if you still decide not 
to decide you still have made a choice. <laughs> I wanted if to you see. D- Wait, <laughs> I used to have it written down. <laughs> that was in my cube at work. If you choose, choose not, not to, to decide, decide you, you still, still have, have made, made a, a choice. choice. Yes. I didn't want to sing the whole song because mm-hmm. that's the only way I could have gotten there. Yeah. And that would be the example of, should I go outside and get ice cream or should I go and work out? And you say, no, I'm going to stay home. You didn't make a choice, but you did make a choice. You right. stayed home. You sure did. Everything's a choice. Mm-hmm. So not, you can make good choices. Good choices. Or you can. Or make you can make bad, bad choices. choices. But us here at uh, Oh the Horror, we're more concerned with people making good choices. Good choices. Yeah. And how do we do that, folks? No, no Ouija, Ouija boards. boards. No, no dolls. dolls. No capes. No capes. And that list is gonna. It's going to grow. It's going to build. It sure is. We're here for you. <laughs> so black cats. We got you. We sure do. We we have a black cat. We do. Yes. I think you got to tell. We'll tell the story at the end. Let's get into yeah. the, the, the mystery, the history, yeah. the lore. Because what was interesting is black cats uh, didn't have a bad rep the whole time. They sure didn't. They actually had good and beginnings. in a lot of places... They never had a bad rap, so. Why don't we pause and start this over? Step bike, Dean's gonna. We'll wait for Vince Neal and Tommy Lee to leave. Wait for the Hell's Angels. Yeah, or the what is it, the Utica Pups or whatever they're called. What? Oh, I don't know. Is that a thing? No, no, I made that. <laughs> up. This is stuff I want to keep on. I can't. <laughs> Maybe I will keep it on. Hey, buddy. The Utica Pups. You really think that was a bike gang? No, uh, I knew it wasn't. That's why I was like, but wait. <laughs> yeah, I don't leave the house. I work yeah. from home. Have I missed a major piece of data? Some important information? I know. Maybe. Possibly. As we're all aware, a lot could happen in a year. Oi. Yeah. Anyways... So what did black cats ever do to deserve the reputation as a symbol of evil? Mm. And why is it considered bad luck to have a black cat cross your path? Mm. Wasn't always this way. No. The first human cat interactions were benign and based on mutual convenience. The invention of agriculture in the Neolithic era led to surpluses of grain, which attracted rodents, which in turn motivated wild cats to hang around humans in the hope of catching dinner. So domestication soon followed. The world's oldest pet cat was found in a 9,500-year-old grave in Cyprus, buried alongside its human owner. And isn't that just the cutest freaking thing? A, it's the cutest freaking thing. But B, the fact that it's still there. Yeah. That just is unreal to me. So, related. They say diamonds are forever. But the love between an owner and a pet. Yeah. It's yeah. to infinity it's and beyond. So I was watching the latest, I can't remember whether it was National Geographic or whether it was like a History Channel thing, and they were yeah. doing Egypt, mm-hmm. and they had found some never-opened burial chambers, mm. and it was near the the pyramids. So they were hoping that this burial chamber was, it was supposed to be someone very 
based on the size and the shape and the number of chambers like yeah, this ended was up being like a bunch of cats right yeah a ton of cats yeah. and even a lion a mummified lion was found in the crazy in the burial chamber was that recently or a long time ago no this was very recently because i know a long time ago they found they found some as well yeah no this was um it was like hundreds of them yeah, there were there were quite a few hundreds of mummified cats. Yep. Well, they were big in Egypt. They sure were. Yeah, let's get into it. I say so. So the ancient Egyptians realized even when domesticated, the cats retained their independence, and the Egyptians were fascinated by divine opposites and cosmic symmetries, and they saw this kind of duality in the cat, the fierce predator but also a loyal guardian. Mm -hmm. So several Egyptian deities were depicted in part cat, part human form, including Bastet or Bast, who was a goddess of violence as well as fertility. Because, I mean, if you're going to combine two skills, violence and fertility yeah. are the two that you're going to combine, like, all the time. That's right? kind of a Genghis Khan thing, too. <laughs> right? That's, yeah. So one of her sacred colors was black, which is how the black cat first achieved its special status. Mm -hmm. So according to the Roman writer Polanius, who lived in the second century AD, the Egyptian veneration of cats led to disaster at the Battle of Pelusium in 525 BC. The invading Persian army carried cats on the front lines, rightly calculating that the Egyptians would rather accept defeat than kill a cat. I heard that they, so I always love like battle strategies and things like that. I just go nuts over it. And yeah, that was in 525 BC. Mm -hmm. The Persian king knew their fondness of it. Yeah. And they painted uh, their shields with the image of a cat too. They went like all in. <laughs> They went out I, I had to look further into this because I was just like, wait, this is crazy. So what, I, what I'm dying to And they collected to know, a ton of cats. They, they collected every single cat they could find. I'm dying and to then know. At the battle, they released all the cats and they just like drove them towards them. And, they, and the Egyptians were just like, look, man, nope, nope, nope. I wonder if the cats had little, little armor on little them. Little armor on them. Yeah. yeah little helmet. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. How cute would that be? I'm going to go with no. But yeah. Cats even just a even just a jersey maybe or something like that. No. You know, cats are having none of it. Yeah. It's hard enough to keep a collar. But on then a I cat. started thinking about that because this is where war strategy. I'm just always into. I always wonder how people won right these big type of battles and stuff, and they were just so different than today. Mm -hmm. But like, how did they get like? At some point, they had to be sitting in a room, drinking booze, eating food. Yeah. Or they were just like these two military guys like hanging out and they were just they like peyote and they're like, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait. I'm not Hear even getting out. that far with it. I'm not <laughs> even getting that far. With it. Just casually just sitting yeah. there and they're like, you know what? What if we got a shitload of cats and nope. just put them right out on you know there? What they love? And then they were like, you know what? Even more, we'll paint them on the shields. I think you you're know, onto something. I think you're onto something, Herod, you know, and, and, and the next thing you know, it's because there's one thing of having like an idea, uh -huh. and this is what I love about stuff like this. That there's having the idea, and then, and there's, then there's executing, actually executing yeah. said idea. Yeah. Now think about this. They had to round up cats, so they told everybody, you know, everybody get every single cat you can find. You know, this is like an <laughs> announcement. Like yeah. they had this announcement to get cats, 
And then, I mean, we all know the saying, herding cats, you know. Yeah. They're not easy to get. They're not. They weren't Arya anywhere Stark near. Arya Stark had a very hard time getting cats in uh, yeah. Game of Thrones. I'm going to make a bold assumption, but I'm going to say they weren't anywhere near as domesticated as they as are they now. As they are now. Yeah, no. You know, so imagine probably a lot of them, because a lot of them were around to, like, keep the grain areas yeah. free of rodents and stuff like that. Yep. Because they didn't eat grain, but they... They ate, ate the rodents. The rodents that, and that stuff. That ate the grain, yeah. That's where the tandem relationship, especially yeah. in ancient Egypt, they had, you know, where they, they yes. had a practical... It was a symbiotic relationship. They had a very practical relationship with each other. But herding, like, these basically, like, uh, like field cats and stuff feral like that. Feral cats. Yeah, feral cats, which yeah. if you're... If you're anyone that knows anything about a feral cat... Try and catch a barn cat. Yeah, you're going to have to do that with gloves. Oh, yeah. You're not just going to grab it. We had a barn cat. His name was Brutus. Yeah. And he was a tuxedo cat. He was black mm-hmm. and he was white. He was huge. Yeah. And he was miserable. Just a jerk. No, actually, he was great. You couldn't pet him. Yeah. He would lay on you. Oh, okay. It had to be on his terms. That's a cat. Yep. But we took him to the vet. To get like wormed and get him his rabies shots. And they had gloves that went all the way up to like their armpits because they tried to just give him, like, they tried to do the worming thing and he was having none of it. Yeah. So it took like two or three of them. He's a house cat. Two or three of them to hold him down, and they had those huge gloves that yeah. like went all the way up to their armpits, and they're holding him down. And the vet's like, "Okay, we ready? We ready?" And he's shooting, he's shooting Brutus up with with the shots. Yeah, we pay for him. We get him home, and he goes outside that night, and the, he left and did not come back for it was over a year. Yeah, why? Why do that? Yeah, he was like. Fuck this shit. I am out. Brutus was like Jeremiah Johnson. He was a mountain man out in the woods. Didn't need anybody. No. So the you funny know. thing is. Then comes into town once. He and comes just- <laughs> back. It's over a year later. He's meowing at the back door. Yeah. And I open it up and it's Brutus. He comes right in, goes right to the corner where his food was. And then he's all pissed because it's not there. It's like, <clears throat> bastard. You haven't been here in like a year and a half. <laughs> What do you think? We just left it there? Which in cat years, it's like seven, seven <laughs> years. Can you imagine leaving someone's house? Yeah. And seven years later, coming back and being like, dude, what? You got no ground beef in the freezer? In I, the fridge? I left I for like a, a cheese, minute. I want a cheeseburger. Where's my dinner? Everybody'd be like, what the fuck? That's funny. Yeah, yeah but that so that's where I thought about fun. that battle. Like, there was the whole idea, the plan, the execution. Yeah. And then, I mean, honestly, how proud must those, like, you know, say it was that one or two military strategists that You know they were it. high-fiving. You know they were just sitting there and they're like, it's working. It's working. We are bloody brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right. Carry on. The Egyptians were unique in their extreme veneration of cats, but they weren't alone in regarding them as having a special connection to the spirit world. 
In Greek mythology, the cat was a familiar of Hecate, the goddess of magic, sorcery, and witchcraft. And Hecate's pet had once been a serving maid named Galanthus, who was turned into a cat as punishment by the goddess Hera for being rude. Mm. So I guess we got to add, don't be rude to the list of things when you're making good choices. Yeah, that's true. So in Celt... Celtic mythology, a fairy named Sith takes on the form of a black cat with a white spot on its chest. Mm. So, I mean, they're everywhere. When Christianity became the official religion of Rome in 380, the association of cats with paganism and witchcraft made them suspect. Moreover, the cat's independence suggested a willful rebellion against the teaching of the Bible, which said that Adam had dominion over all the animals. The cat's reputation worsened during the medieval era as the Catholic Church battled against heresies and dissent. Hold hold that thought for just a moment. To wrap up ancient Egyptians, Mm -hmm. because everybody says like, oh, they worshipped them. They were these big things. So everybody has this general consensus that they're nice to cats. Mm -hmm. They were nice to cats the whole time. This was something I, I was like a firm believer in. And then this is some of the interesting things like, We'll pick up on this stuff. And mm-hmm. and I look and go, hmm, that's weird. So when we were talking about the mass uh, stuff with the mummified uh, cats. Yeah. So what they were using the mummified animals for, uh, they were basically used as votive offerings to the associated deity during yep. that time. Yeah. So it was mostly during festivals and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. They sacrificed them. Yeah. And that's the weird thing. And that's where it kind of goes back to the... Thou shalt not worship. No, for me, or thou, thou shalt not, not worship false idols. False idols, yeah. Because now you have this situation where you got to bring a cat, a mummified cat, as a votive offering. If you don't do it, mm-hmm. it could be bad. Mm-hmm. Now the funny part is, is in ancient Egypt, they were actually there were severe punishments for injuring or killing a cat, including sentenced to death. Yeah, but. You needed one for a votive offering. So I'm sitting there as I'm reading this. I'm like, that's kind of conflict of uh, yeah. conflict of direction. How do you, so you, know, you just mummify it without killing it? So they were finding in these uh, these lots that they were finding these yep. mummified cat cemeteries, basically, or yeah. areas. Yeah. They were finding that uh, a lot of them had broken necks. Mm-hmm. So they were actually killing them yep. to mummify them. Yes. To provide them as an offering. Yes. But you're not supposed to. But you're not supposed to kill, kill them. Kill them. But you need a votive offering. Okay. <laughs> hey. That's just a vicious circle right there. I didn't make the rules. No, no. I'm glad we don't have those rules to date. No. So. Middle Ages. Back to 380. Fed lurid tales by his inquisitors in 1233, mm. Pope Gregory the IX issued a papal bull. Vox in Rama, which accused heretics of using black cats in their nighttime sex orgies with Lucifer, who was described as half cat in appearance. Because I know when I'm having my nighttime sex orgy, I'm not going to start unless there's a black yeah. cat. Well, even Pope, again, strange, strange set of circumstances. Pope Innocent the Eighth. Oh, I get there in a, yeah. in a bit. Yeah, well, I'm just saying before him, 
He was saying that the cat was the devil's favorite animal. Well, that's 1484, Pope Innocent. So during the Middle Ages, ignorance assumed that single women who fed stray cats were suspect to witchcraft and that the cats were their familiars or companions in black magic arts. Mm -hmm. This belief led to massive eradication of black and other color cats and and gave rise to witch burnings as well. The purging of cats thus allowed the plague, the Black Death, to wipe out nearly a quarter of the world's population because the plague was carried by rats and misguided people had eliminated the rats. So in Europe, countless numbers of cats were killed in the belief that they could be witches in disguise. In 1484, Pope Innocent VIII fanned the flames of anti-cat prejudice with his papal bull on witchcraft, Sumus Desiderantes effectibus, which sounds like, it sounds like a spell. <laughs> Sumus desiderantes effectibus. So, which stated that the cat was the devil's favorite animal and idol of all witches. The age of reason ought to have rescued the black cat from its pariah status, but superstitions die hard. How many apartment buildings don't have a 13th floor? Yeah. I mean, they do. They just label it 14. So cats had plenty of ardent fans among 19th century writers, including Charles Dickens and Mark Twain, who wrote, I simply can't resist a cat, particularly a purring one. But Edgar Allan Poe, the master of the Gothic tale, felt otherwise. In his 1843 story, The Black Cat, the spirit of a dead cat drives its killer to madness and destruction. Separate topic. Okay. Is there more goth than Edgar Allan Poe? No. You think basically that's like the... He's like the king of goth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if goth were to have a head... It's him. It's him. Yeah. Just like undecided. Yeah, it's him. Yeah. It's Poe. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Figure I'd bounce it off, yeah. Yeah. Watch, there's a bunch of goths oh. who are like, oh my God, you are like so Oh stupid. my God, if I he's, just... He's like not even part of it. After I'm done putting on my two hours of makeup in the morning, I'm going to email you and tell you who the king of goth is. Proceed. So pity the poor black cat, which through no fault of its own has gone from being an instrument of the devil to the convenient tool of the horror writer and a favorite Halloween cliche. So let's get to superstitions and black cats. As there an, are some. There sure are. Really? As an adult, it might be easy to laugh off superstitions or look at data to disprove them, but there is no denying that superstitions are present in cultures across the globe and they have a real impact on the way people experience the world. Yeah. So let's get to the superstitions of black cats. Black cats appear in the folklore of many cultures as both good and bad omens. In some European folklore, black cats are considered common companions of witches and bringers of misfortune if they happened to cross your path. In contrast, Welsh folklore depict uh, black cats as bringing luck to a home and could even be a reliable predictor of weather, which, I mean... I don't know how that works. Is it like if the black cat sees his shadow, you've got six more weeks? <laughs> you see, six weeks of great fortune. <laughs> right. Well, what was it? The Irish believed that a black cat on your porch was good um, luck. Yep, I'm getting there. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. give and take here. Uh, yeah. So in the earliest days of history, cats were large carnivorous creatures that evidence suggests humans often had to fend off in order to survive, unlike their... W- our wolf friends, humans did not attempt to domesticate these dangerous creatures until much later. 
and our fear is what kept us alive and away from them. Mm -hmm. So how did this fear translate to a specifically colored domestic cat? It's believed that this superstition began around the Middle Ages in Europe. A folklore spread about a man and his son who came across a black cat, which they began to toss rocks at. The injured cat ran into a woman's house who was suspected of being a witch, and when the woman happened to appear limping and bruised the next day, people suspected that the cat must be the woman in disguise. Mm. So other theories suggest that during this time, people started to see black cats as a sign of death and bad luck simply because of their black fur, just like ravens and crows. Sadly, mass killings of black cats spread across Europe as people tried to rid the streets of these bad omens. So this disturbing practice carried over to the prosecution and persecution of witches across Europe and eventually to the Salem witch trials. Black cats whose owners were accused of witchcraft were associated with the devil and evil. People thought black cats assisted witches in their evil deeds and also that witches could transform into black cats to lurk in the shadows and cast spells on people. So both witches and black cats were persecuted and killed together. That's also casting spells on people. That's why they got rid of pockets and dresses because Mm -hmm. women supposedly carried their spells in their pockets and that was the way they could prove that they weren't casting spells. Well, Jen, you have to get rid of any possibility of witchcraft to happen. So glad. Pockets are coming back, ladies. Yeah. Get those Witchcraft is coming back too. Great. Yeah, they, uh... Necromancy and uh, sorcery—they got a—they got a cool thing they do. So with black get a cats. load of this. In contrast, many countries view black cats as being lucky. Great Britain, Russia, and Japan all regard black cats as bringing luck, especially if one crosses your path. In Ireland, however, should a black cat cross your path in the moonlight, you will die in an epidemic. Germany complicates things by believing that it. A black cat crosses your path from right to left, it brings bad luck. But if it crosses from left to right, the luck will be good. So what do you just turn around I don't and don't know. see it and you're but good wait, now? There's more. Oh, I know. Pirates complicated things further by believing that if a black cat walks towards you, it's good. But if it walks away from you, your luck will be bad. Mm-hmm. And that belief is the opposite in the UK. Seafarers and fishermen generally feel that cats are lucky, but if a cat walks on board a ship and back off, the ship is going to sink. So the next there was time, a lot of good things with people on boats and stuff, though. Uh, do you well, have any of that? As far as boating be. and like pirates, they they had a love hate relationship with cats. Yes, they did. Because some of them they felt would actually predict the weather. Yes. So if it yeah. was cleaning itself, it would be good weather. Right. You know, that type of stuff. Groucho Marx had a good thing with uh, cats. You ever hear about that? No. He said if a black cat is crossing your path, you know what that signifies? That they're, they got places to go. The animal's going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. So Scots believe that a stray black cat will bring you prosperity. In Japan, a single woman owning a black cat may expect many suitors. Yeah, she's a catch. While in the English Midlands, a black cat is considered to be a good luck wedding present. Mm -hmm. English monarch Charles I grieved the loss of his black cat and declared that his luck was gone. The very next day, he was arrested for high treason. So, not everyone hated 
black cats. No, no. In certain parts of 19th century Europe, black cat sightings were actually considered good omens. You brought up the Irish in the porch as good luck. And in yeah. Japan, they're a symbol of prosperity. Luckily, most of these superstitions have virtually vanished and black cats are now a part of many families across the world. However, many black cats are still mistreated and feared today, especially around Halloween, which is why we're always hearing the caution for owners of black cats to keep them safely indoors around that time of year. And as someone who does own a black cat, and I love my black cat, I can assure you there's no evil associated with the color of her fur. Speak for yourself. Yes, there is the occasional bite or scratch. And yes, she has rarely, but she has brought me rodents as presents. Mm-hmm. Any cat owner will tell you that's a cat thing, not an evil witch thing. So let's do some famous black cats. Why not? So in life and lore, black cats have made their mark. Some notable black cats are Dr. Samuel Johnson's cat, Hodge, Trim, a brave seafaring cat, George W. Bush's cat, India, there's Felix the cat, Pluto, which is Edgar Allan Poe's, Salem Saberhagen, which is uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch's cat, there's Thackeray Binks from Hocus Pocus, and I can't believe they missed out on Lucifer from Cinderella. Yeah. I don't know. If it was someone like me, I, I wouldn't know anything about that. So let's get to the science of the black coat and cats. I know. There's quite a bit of science there. It's pretty fascinating. So Cat Fanciers Association recognizes 22 breeds of cats that may be black. The breed known as Bombay is exclusively black. Many black cats have golden eyes because of high melanin pigment content. Black cats come in short, medium, and long-haired fur. One of woman that wrote this, one of her, or the person that wrote this, I can't even remember now. I read so many. One of her black cats has white roots and appears silver if shaved. Mm. So that color is known as black smoke. So here's a question I have. Is shaving a cat a big thing? Because I never really see it, but... The only time they generally do that is if they have, like, a, a, like a skin condition, mm. like um, mange or ringworm, and yeah. there's some sort of fungal infection that needs to be treated, mm-hmm. or, like you said, a procedure. Generally, they don't do... They don't shave them. So, all cats are genetically either red or black or variations thereof. Two melanins account for the color. Eumelanin produces the blacks and the browns, and pheomelanin produces the reds or creams. Both cat parents must carry the black gene in order to produce a black kitten. Two black cats will almost always have black kittens. The all-time dominant cat coat pattern is agouti, or tabby, and in order for a cat to be solid black, it must carry a recessive gene known as non-agouti. Some black cats carry the agouti gene and therefore can be seen to have tabby patterns if they are in the sunlight. If one of the parents carries a red gene, the black coat may appear slightly rusty in bright light. Boots has that. Mm. Note that a rusty tint may also indicate a tyrosine deficiency, which is required for the creation of eumelanin. And phenylalanine and tyrosine are important to long-term neurological function in cats, 
and your veterinarian can check for this deficiency and provide a supplement for your cat. She doesn't have that. So the National Institutes of Health is conducting research into whether genetic mutations may protect black cats from feline immunodeficiency virus. And this research may not only benefit the FIV treatment, but also HIV treatment. Yeah, I read that somewhere, that they have some sort of immunity to uh, the HIV Well, the feline immunodeficiency. Yeah. yeah. So essentially the the feline version of it. So they use them as like a study. Yeah. So we'll see what comes of that. Yeah. Maybe that's what Magic Johnson's got going on. He's just got black cats. He's just got cats. He's got a house panther. He's just surrounded... Well, it's kind of like herd immunity with cats. <laughs> you think that's how it works? Yeah. Oh. Back to uh, quick, though. I wanted to pull in my notes. So if you want to predict the weather with cats, which okay. is what sailors and fishermen used to do in the 8th century, if your cat sneezes, that's a sign of rain. If your cat is snoring, that means bad weather is approaching. And the behavior of your cat... Performing a self-grooming meant good weather. Mystique has done all of those things yeah. in the course of a day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's an exact science, but could, but could you imagine that, though? Like, you'd be sitting there on a boat, and you'd see a cat sneeze, and it rained. Yeah. And, like, somebody, you know, there was just that one person who wouldn't let it go. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, when the cat it's sneezes, the cat sneezes, man. It rains. It rains. And then <laughs> rains again. So now everybody's looking to see, you know, if Patches sneezes. And Mystique they... has been sneezing since January. Well, here's the thing, though. I don't I think you joking. get a whole lot of allergies out in the sea. No, no. So that's where I would see, like, a sneeze being a little more rare. Okay. Possibly. Maybe. I'm throwing a dumb guess out here. But, again, it just goes back to the crazy superstitions that people do. Well, I mean. People out in sea, there's a ton of them. Yeah. We could do a whole show on just semen. On semen? (laughs) (laughs) Semen, uh, you know, superstitions out in in the sea. Right. There's tons of them. It's crazy. Maybe we should call it. Nautical superstitions. Nautical superstitions. I don't know. I think we'd get more hits. With With semen. semen? Yeah. Course, I mean, probably. We get a lot more people leaving. Oh. That's offensive. I'm sorry. I thought you meant something else. <laughs> right. There's also something I brought up quick before we proceed on. There was actually, uh, they it was said that necromancers would eviscerate a black cat born in March. I love, the only reason I bring this up is because, like, the black magic, black art stuff, it's so fucking specific. It it's really unreal is. how yeah. specific it is. Yeah. Like, you know, if you pray to God, you could do the Lord's Prayer. And even every priest or every pastor will tell you, yeah, you know, if you mess it up a little bit, God's still listening to you. Yeah. As long no, as no. you're as long as you're trying. Not in black magic. Black magic, nope. You just miss a little twitch. And I gotta love this. It's bad. Yeah. But yeah, it's bad if it works. Yeah. Like to the T. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. You so, follow it to the letter and it's still going to be bad. Where I find this stuff, it just, I don't know, it makes me giggle. But necromancers would eviscerate a black cat, again, born in March, 
Cut out its heart and eyes and insert a uh, heliotrope seed in place of each eye and two such seeds in the mouth while saying a conjuration of invisibility. Don't screw that up either. No. Then the necromancer will plant it, water it with blood and water. Then a plant will grow that makes seeds that would turn the necromancer invisible. I'm pretty sure heliotrope is a sunflower. Yeah. So then there was a... So you're growing your sunflower in the carcass mm-hmm. of a black cat. March. That born was in born March. in March. Don't screw it up, Jennifer. Yep. And then from the seeds of the sunflowers, yeah, you can be invisible. Well, you got to say the conjuration of invisibility. In order for those seeds to as, make you invisible? You know, while you're putting the seeds in the carcass. Right. Then you plant it. Right. Water it with blood and yes. water. And that's where I was wondering, like, you water it with blood and I, water the I whole time. You know, I don't have the specific instructions, but that's where I got to laugh. Like, even generally talking about it, it's specific. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's a recipe somewhere that I'm we're probably sure. missing a yeah. couple steps here. You know, I mean, you got to wear something. You no, know, you're naked. Are you naked? You're probably naked. Probably naked. And it's probably uh, midnight or 3 a.m. Do you have some markings maybe on the face? You know, um, do you probably ca- not. Carve something. You know, the blood, does it have to come from your own body? No. You know, is that where they slice no. the hand, which has always they been a problem with me? I know. Why ruin your hand when you can cut yourself anywhere, anywhere else and else, get blood? Yes. But, but you cut yourself in the hand. It's a stupid thing movies does. <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Okay, so we're going to add that to the list. Yeah. Don't cut your hand. Don't cut your hand for, for your spell. blood rituals. For your blood. Yes. No, no blood rituals. Okay. Forget the cutting of the hand. Okay. No blood rituals. No blood rituals. Yeah, we're going to add that to the list. Okay. There's also recipes to create madness that would use cat body parts as well as some other animals. I'm going to take a, a stab in the dark here mm-hmm. because I'm not a black magic practitioner, but I'm going to bet that what they do is they save the blood from the black cat. Mm. They put their seeds in their required places. They say their incantation. You sound pretty informed. And then when they plant that cat, they water it in with the cat's own blood Mm. and then follow it with water in order to get said plant to grow. You're invisible, bitch. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, they also use cat skin. Uh, they said they use that to summon demons because, I mean, demons, you know, were they a bunch of buffalo bills, but not human skin, I'm just cat skin. I'm going to say this after reading about so many demons. I don't tiny. recall any of them being like, loves cat skin. I don't know. I don't know either. As I always say, the invitation. Yeah. You know, bring the invitation, but I think what we should do at some point, we should do an episode where we do just the weirdest black magic recipes and their specific like quirks. I mean, honestly, if you're dumb enough to try it, then you know what? Here, try some Tide Pods. See how that works out for you. I know. You don't want to do that. I really don't. No. 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 We don't have to say them. We'll just point out some stupid, stupid. It's just amazing how specific they are. Yeah. 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 
And if you if you mess it up, so that was kind of my big question. I wanted to talk to a, uh, a practicing necromancer. Is so how did that go? Did if you, you mess this up, like what happens? If you're not invisible, like say you eat the seed, because this all goes down to the seed when you eat it. Correct. If you do it all right, you're invisible. But if you eat it, is there some crazy thing that like you turn into a cat or, I don't you know, know, man, are you not invisible, but very visible? You well, know, like you get some deformities. It's a um, one of the tenets of witchcraft is whatever you send out comes back threefold. Mm -hmm. So whatever your intention is or your set intention that you're sending out is going to come back threefold. So if you're sending out a negative intent, that's going to come back threefold onto you. So instead of being invisible, you're invisible back. because you're dead. <laughs> Maybe and you're not there anymore because you're dead and you're buried. Mm -hmm. He would be right here, but he ate those poison cat blood seeds. <laughs> he got sick and died. Follow me for more recipes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if the recipe is called cat blood seed. Or if it's, uh, I don't know, how would you? I don't know. But you know what's going to end up happening? We're going to do next week's episode or a future episode. And somebody's going to come in the room. Dean's going to be barking. We're going to be like, well, he's barking at nothing. And there's a necromancer that's going to be like. <laughs> did it, motherfucker. I did it. I did what it. What do you say now? Threefold this, bitch. <laughs> It'd be great if they like come in and just like smack us on the back of the head. <laughs> Yeah, no, that'd be great. That'd be great. It'd be awesome. It wouldn't hit me. It would. Hit, he would hit you and be like, "Ah, it's in your head." Yeah, exactly. You're making it happen. Yeah. No, I wouldn't be that guy. I've always said that. If it happens to you, and you tell me, I generally, I haven't been that way. The only thing I will say, and I've said it in the past, is you, especially if I know it for a fact that you're having a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. If you're having a lot of stress, I will say, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling that something happened, but you have a lot of stress. Do you think maybe that could be part of it? And you might want to work on that. <laughs> yes. Instead of smoking a bunch of shit around the house and, you know, smudging this and smudging hey. that. Hey, if it helps reduce the stress, <laughs> I'm all for it. I don't get in your way, but... But if the stress doesn't come down, I'm, I'm getting involved. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, I think there's a linkage. It gets back to the whole beginning of this. This is where we go for sure okay. all the way around with superstitions. Mm -hmm. And you don't have control of the situation. Right. And you have this thing that happens. You think that's an aid and a helpful thing mm -hmm. over something you don't have any control of. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a reduction of anxiety. Yes. It's just a method to get anxiety down. Mm -hmm. And that's where people talk about how they deal with anxiety today. Mm -hmm. That's how they dealt with anxiety back then. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the ideas and like medical science of what's available today. Right. They didn't have lithium. Yeah. They didn't have the drugs yeah. that were, were used for it. And even now people are still 
wondering if these drugs are any kind of use at all. You know, right. are they more harm than, do they bring more right. harm than good? Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely a valid dispute. Yeah. I remember being on Zoloft when Zoloft kind of came out big mm-hmm. in the like late 90s. Mm-hmm. And I was on that shit for, I want to say, was it a year? Maybe a year, mm-hmm. something like that. I hated it. I yeah. absolutely hated it because I felt nothing. It worked. It worked way too good. And yeah. I just felt nothing. I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I wasn't mad. I wasn't any of that stuff. I felt literally like a droid. Yeah, that was me on the beta blockers. I was taking those for my migraines because one of the symptoms of the migraine medications was shortness of breath. And turns out if you have asthma, like that could be problematic. So I was put on the uh, beta blockers and I was just even Mm-hmm. All the time. Mm-hmm. I, there were no ups. There were no downs. I was just even all the time. And it was uh, a coworker in one of the dining rooms. He was like, what are you on? Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're not you. Yeah. And. Now, did you feel like you weren't you during the whole thing? Or did it take someone to come? It took someone to say something. Interesting. Like, I didn't. I didn't realize. Very interesting. I mean, I. Maybe on some level I did. And then when it was brought to my attention. It's kind of like a validation. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I don't know, man. Something. Yeah. Something's not quite I couldn't right. stand it. Yeah. I could not stand it. And then I remember going back. I remember getting off of it. And I remember it had to be the stage deal where, you know, you couldn't just quit it out. Yeah. Yeah. I wean off of it. And I remember weaning off of it. And I was seeing a therapist. At the time, because mm-hmm. you have to get it prescribed to right, you, yeah. or you had to then. They yeah. probably handed out like fucking checklets now. But but basically, I remember just having like this bad taste with that experience with the therapist and everything. I mm-hmm. was just like, no, nah, I'm like that. I don't know what's going to work, but that that's not, that's not going to work. Yeah. So I noodled around for like a year, year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. and And then I realized I did need help and my whole problem going through my depression and mm-hmm. and it was a deep 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 depression right i mean i i, I had some very very dark moments mm-hmm. i'm not going to get too far into but but the fact of the matter was is i knew my problem at that point was is i had no one to really talk to right because i had a lot of bs with my dad at the time i had a lot of bs with my mom at the time yeah i had friends that weren't really available uh-huh. And also not really just to talk about that kind of stuff. I mean, I had friends to talk about it and that was helpful. Yeah, but I mean, it's But not I like... really needed to get like deep in the roots of right. what was going on. And that's where I always, you know, you've heard me say it a million times. I recommend therapy on that level of just talking to someone because eventually that's what ultimately dug me out of it and moving positively out. Yeah. I remember going back and she was like, oh, you know, I really think meds would be a good idea. I'm like, I'm not doing meds. I'm like, you bring up meds one more time. I'm walking out this door and I'm taking the hourly rate somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because after I said that, never brought up meds anymore. Huh. Weird. Weird how that happened. (laughs) Really weird, you know. But aside from that, I had 
it started out with weekly visits mm-hmm. and then that stretched to two times uh, a month. Mm-hmm. So I do like once every two weeks and then it was once every month. And that went for about a year because I had a lot of shit I had to talk about. Right. And what was great about it, and I always say it with people, is like talking to someone like that is good because they're they're not involved in your social fabric at all. No. You can talk about whatever the hell you want. It never leaves that room. Right. And and you can go into those kind of spaces of, you know, what your thoughts are of either your parents or your siblings or a spouse right. or, it's a or whatever. It's a judgment-free zone. And it's... Well, I can't say it's judgment-free well, because, because they will noodle in and, and try right. to break I mean, things apart. When and, I say that is they don't have... But, uh, they don't have, but they don't have skin, skin in the, in the game, game they don't, on either side. Yeah, like on so they're not going to get offended. Exactly, they're not going to get offended if no. this person says that and this person, you know. No, and that's why sometimes finding even a friend that's out of your circle and that you can talk with like that. But I don't really recommend that, and I hate that because like you and I have this terrible problem, and we've had it before we got together. Yeah. We've had it our whole lives. Yeah, and trust me, I like that people feel comfortable talking around me. Yes. But to the level that people will talk to us either individually or together, together. yeah, is insane. I it's have, absolutely I insane. I have had people tell me things that one, I have no right knowing. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't need to know oh, yeah. your your history. I don't need yeah. to know the issues you have with your father. Yeah. Your father and your mother's relationship. Mm-hmm. Your father's new relationship, like there's no, there's no reason for me to know any of that, especially when you're a bartender and I'm on the other side of the bar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, this is. I've always I'm thought, supposed to be telling yeah. you why I'm sitting here. Drinking, I always felt like I would a be beer. a great bartender because people just come to me off the street. I can't even imagine if I was tossing drinks in front of them. Oh my lord! You know, yeah, yeah, or taxi cab driver yeah, you know, for taxi cab yep. confessions and whatnot. Oh, but, yeah. but yeah, no, it just like, I think, but the tough part of it is, is this is the, the weird issue with it. It's expensive. It's yes. expensive to have that, that relationship with a psychologist or a psychotherapist but for a year. However, me, I was, I was going to say taking that into consideration yeah. and knowing that, one, you're not on any medication. Yeah. I'm going to assume that you learned some coping skills. Would you say that overall it was worth it in the end? Oh, no, it was way worth it. And I I paid for pretty much most of it. I got mm-hmm. very little help on on most of it, basically. You know, right. I, my, my big takeaway from the whole experience, if you were to just kind of wrap it up a bow and throw the star more, mm-hmm. you know, type thing, is basically I learned that all that stuff can happen and I'm okay. Yes. At the end of the day. Yeah. Because I'd sit there and, and maybe that was a product of having a good therapist because the therapist knew I was direct, mm-hmm. knew I needed to hear this type of thing, but but I think a lot of people that are experiencing depression, me being kind of a reformed type person, because everybody says, well, it never leaves you. It left me. Yeah. I have my moments right. where like I see the road. Yes. And I see the road and I'm like, nope, I can't go down that at all. Right. I can't go down that one bit. Because if I go down that, 
You're it just, full on it. It yep. just becomes this terrible sequence of events. And I'm going to have problems with my job. I'm going to have problems with you. I'm going to have problems with my dad, my mom, friends, mm-hmm. everybody. It's just going to become this cataclysmic disaster. It's going to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a good choice. <laughs> right. Where And that's where I see it now. But But at the time... I realized all that stuff happened. And at that time, I, I had a roof over my head. I had good friends. Yep. I was eating, mm-hmm. which I get some people don't. And here's yeah. the thing. At one point, I wasn't eating a lot. Yeah. I wasn't throwing food up and stuff like that, but I just wasn't eating a lot. Right. It's common. Yeah. You just don't it's care really enough common. to you do anything. You just don't care. You know, nothing has any kind of value around you. Right. And that's, I think, the problem with depression is you've just kind of destroyed all value around you. You've devalued everything. Everything you've devalued down to zero Mm -hmm. and none of it just means anything. And then I think the success of getting out of depression is, is you've got to start finding value in things around you. And I think it's just like anything. You got to find it around your immediate surroundings. Right. Do you have a roof over your head? That's pretty fucking awesome. Right. Do you have food and you're eating pretty fucking awesome? Mm -hmm. Do you have at least one person that you could consider a friend? that you could confide into to a certain degree. That's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. That's where I have a hard time with people that seem to have everything and they're depressed. I have a real hard time with that. And everybody says, oh, it's a mental condition. It's it's chemical. It's all that stuff. I will agree to a certain point. But the fact is, is you can change all of that around you. Mm -hmm. You can change your chemical imbalance. You can Mm -hmm. do that. And you can do it naturally. You don't need medication. You don't need any of that stuff. And- but you need you need to be able to wake up every day and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the best I can today. Right. It's not about better than yesterday. It's not no. better than it's just I'm gonna do my best today. Mm-hmm. And then you know what? You're gonna make some fucking stupid decisions. Right. Going through life. You're gonna make terrible decisions. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is if you look back and you say, Well, that day I did everything I could. That was mm-hmm. the best I had. Right. If you brought the best to the table, then you can move on from that. Right. And that's where I learned after that year of therapy that like at that time, I didn't have the tools. I right. didn't have, you know, so like my my problems with my dad, I just wasn't equipped to handle that. I was young. Yeah. I had a lot of emotion and hormones and stuff. And I just, I didn't know how to deal with any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Alcoholism in the family. I'm not going to say names, but alcoholism in the family. I didn't have the tools to handle that. Right. I had no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I made some really stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. I made dumb decisions. I stand by them. Mm Because at that time, that was was my best move. Yeah. It was literally my only move. And in that chess game, I got beaten two moves. Right. And then the next day in that chess game, I got beat by seven moves. You know, and then- And then just every day you look, you know, I look back at all that stuff and I mean, you know, that's a person that just like, I have a relative just full of regrets. Yeah. Regrets every single day. Re- yep. re- just, you could just live in the stew of regrets back there. And he taught me a valuable lesson indirectly that you've got to just do your fucking best every day. Right. Because if you do your best every day, then you don't have regrets. And maybe... Don't live in the past. Well, yeah. And living in the past is a deadly move. Yeah. In my opinion. 
Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, Jen. I just living in the past is a terrible thing to do. Yeah. A, the present is where it's You're at. You're alive here. Now. Yeah. You have all these abilities yeah. to do anything, change anything, you know. The world's your oyster. Yeah. Theoretically, what are you do with it? theoretically, I could leave all this and be a dancer in Florida. I wouldn't be a good dancer, but the fact is, is I could do it. Right. It's possible. It's an option, but I'd have to leave all this and I'd have to right. make those decisions. But you can do like, I hate hearing that. Like I said, just the person who seems to have all these great things around them and they're just depressed all the time. Everybody says, well, it's a chemical thing and all that. No, I think it's just waking up every day and just looking at all the good things. It's like a good work ethic. Everybody says, oh, that person just has a good work ethic. That person who has a good work ethic hates to go to work too. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's really true. That person that goes to work and just busts ass all day, which yeah. I'm that person. I got so a great work I. ethic. But newsflash for all those people that don't have a great work ethic, quote unquote, I hate going to work just as much as you do. Yes. I can't fucking stand the it. The difference is I get up and I do it. I just know that I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Right now, today, again, not living in the past, no. not anything. Today, in order for me to get money, I have to go to work. To work. Correct. Until I figure out something else. Yes. This is the repetitive deal Until that comes. Until I become independently wealthy. Yeah. I have to go to work. Or, you know, shag up with somebody who's got some money. You know, who knows? But but that that's a that's a again, it's just a thing that drives me nuts. It's a state of mind. Yes. It really is. And you have to put yourself in there. And if you're having a real hard time and you're struggling upstream, you've got to put that in your head repeatedly. Right. You have to remind yourself why you're doing something. Yes. So if you're depressed, you gotta remind yourself to be happy. Yes. And then eventually you may get to a point where you don't have to remind yourself to be happy anymore. No. You're just a happy person. Yes. But it's it's like working out. If you eat McDonald's and lay on your ass all day streaming Netflix, in a year to two years time, you're going to be overweight. You're yeah. going to be out of shape. Yeah. And then if you want to get back in shape again, you've got to get your mind around the idea that you have to go to a gym or work out at your house every single day yep. till you get back in good shape. And when you're in good shape, then you're like, oh, I feel great. And you're not thinking about it all the time. You're just in good shape and you can do whatever you want. And it's the same thing, in my opinion, through my experience with that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Gets right back to superstitions. I mean, wow, we beat this one, but, you know. I mean. That's a grade A tangent right there. That's, a little bit. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the. But like superstitions, you know, if you rely on that type of stuff, you have to kind of program yourself around it. Right. Unless and also it's positive to, and it can train you. It's you putting the power into something, whether it's a thought, an act, a deed. Very, very much so. Yeah. Because if you don't have this kind of necklace. That, so do we want to talk about our black cat? Of course we do. That's what we're closing. We are That's why closing. We're here. We are closing with Mystique, a.k.a. Boots. And I chose the name Mystique because she does have the golden eyes. Mm -hmm. Just like Mystique from X-Men. But yeah. X-Men, Mystique's given name, what she called her slave name, was Raven. Raven, yeah. I missed out on the chance to name a black cat after a 
bird. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest. Well, you know, how many people do that, though? I mean. I it, mean, it's also a pretty good stripper name. I mean, it totally is. Yeah. So how did Boots, a.k.a. Mystique, get into your life? I was a nanny mm-hmm. for a family in Ironwood Development in New Hartford. Mm-hmm. I was leaving, and they had their outdoor light on. And as I was going out the the door to get in my car to go home, she was walking in the driveway. She looked right at me. When I opened the door, she ran in the house. And I go, okay, you got a cat now, bye. <laughs> and, I wa- and I left. Really? And I, and I went home. I was telling my my parents about it. We had only been living in the house on Mohawk Street for just a short period of time. It was in it was it was December. It was cold and and it was you know before Christmas and I'm like how could somebody do that? Because I mean she yeah. was in very great great shape. Like usually when a cat is feral and they've had a hard life. It's pretty evident and pretty clear. And she was small. She yeah, was really she's small. Been small. I was talking with my parents about it. I had the apartment in the back of the house, and I was like, you know, if we can't find who her who she belongs to or who her owners are, I I really would like to. I would like to take her in. They were like, it's your it's your life. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And they're like, but, you know, I do agree. It is pretty shitty to dump your cat yeah. right before Christmas. So I go to work the next day, and they were talking with the sister-in-law, the husband's sister, and they were going to, she was going to take in the cat because she already had a couple. And, hey, once you have a couple, what's one more? Yeah. And I told them you know, I talked with my parents and I'll take her. I'll take her in. They're like, "Really? You sure?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no. If if we can't find I go, I'm I'm going to check all of the I checked the ads in the paper. I was looking for missing. You yeah. know, have you seen my cat? You know, we were asking around the neighborhood because I mean, she was in really good shape. The pads of her of her feet weren't worn. Her coat was great. Literally, she, somebody dropped her off at the street in I'm, front of that neighborhood. I'm going and, to think that they dropped her off. Probably, they lived in a circle. Yeah. And I bet they dropped her off at the front of the circle. Yeah, they I were did, like, yeah, they were like, you know what? This is a good neighborhood. Yeah, somebody will yeah. take you in. Yeah. So that's that's it's, that day uh, at lunchtime when. Their youngest was eating her her lunch. Mystique jumped up into my lap, and she curled up in my lap. And I said, all right, you're going home with me. Mm -hmm. So the day I brought her home, I didn't have a cat carrier. I had nothing. So all I did was pick her up and put her in the car. And I didn't have a very long drive home but oh my god it was horrible she yowled the whole way and i'm and i'm telling i'm talking to her the whole time and i'm like trying to hold her she's trying to jump out the window but it's up and it's freezing 
it's December, and I'm like, what are you doing? So I I get her in the house, and my parents are just looking at me, and I'm like, I got to get a cat carrier because, like, you know, she's still going to have to go to the vet. Yeah. You yeah. know, all of these things are going to have to happen. And I was like, and that was the worst experience I have ever had. So we get through that. I had the the dish, the Did she box. acclimate to the house well? Or did she hide Right away. Lot? No. She, as soon as I brought her into the apartment with me, mm-hmm. she was in. Everybody would come in. She would, she, she was just always with me. She slept with me. She, um, you know, she would just hang out. She would do her things. She slept most of the day. Yeah. That's what they do. And then I'd come home and she'd be like, oh, hey, you're here. I'm hungry. Yeah. That type of thing. Same thing as today. Um, and then I got a voucher from Spring Farm Cares so that I could get her fixed. I could get her spayed. Yeah. Um, I split it with them. They, they would have probably paid all of it, but I told them, you know, I, I don't need you to pay all of it. I'm like, you know, she is going to be my cat. Yeah. I need to be responsible. It's just that I don't have the full amount on this, and, and yeah. I want her spayed as soon as possible. So I split it with them, and we split the, the fee 50-50, and they had a special rate with the Paris Hill Cat Clinic. So the day she was getting spayed, I dropped her off and I went to work and my mom had to pick her up at five or she could pick her up anytime between like three and five because I wouldn't get out of work until after they were closed because I I got out of work. Mm -hmm. I didn't leave New Hartford until after five. So I didn't want her sitting there all night. Yeah. So there was a play at the high school that night or there was a concert, something like that. And everybody was going to be going. So I told mom, yeah, no, I'll go. And mom's like, I think you better see her first. Mm -hmm. And I got home and she was a mess. She was crying. There were literal tears running down her face. Uh, She was still stoned off of the the medication medication. she couldn't stand she still couldn't stand she was she was wetting herself oh man yeah so i had her on a towel on the couch and i just looked at her and i went baby girl and i told everybody and my mom's like yeah no we knew you weren't going to be coming And they all left. They all did her thing. So the house was nice and quiet, and it Mm -hmm. was just the two of us. And I just, I cleaned her up, and I held her, and I told her, you know, I wasn't going anywhere. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And then when I took her back to get her stitches out, she had gone up like one pound or two. Mm-hmm. And they started, first, they took her away from me. They wouldn't have, They wouldn't even let me go with mm-hmm. her like yeah. they just yanked her out of my arms yeah took her to the back to take her stitches out and then they're giving me shit because she put on two pounds and they're like you know her metabolism s- slowed down now once they get spayed and i'm like holy shit so i put her on a weight management food oh, there's... she hated it 
there's some vets. I mean, I'm I'm going to come right out and say there's a lot of great vets out there. There are. And they're awesome. But there's some vets that and their staff aren't. that are just terrible. Absolutely and terrible. That was... And they're the obsessive ones. They're I'm, the ones that are like way over the top. And I'm going to say this. That's the only vet I've ever taken her to where I've had a bad experience. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I've taken her to three or four different vets yeah. since. Yeah. And that was the only time that there was a bad experience. Yeah. And I vowed, no, we're not going back there. Yeah. I'll take you anywhere else yeah. but there to get your... Whatever. What was interesting with Boots is when we met. Yes. And I didn't see her for days. She. Actually, not days, months. She, the first time you actually came over, she went MIA. Yeah. I could not find her. I could. Now, my apartment was. It's two rooms, basically. It was three rooms. Yeah. There was the the living room. Yeah. The kitchen. kitchen and then the bedroom, the bedroom. Yeah. and I mean the bathroom, but you yeah. know, no. bathrooms off the kitchen, no big deal. I count them the same. So, okay. That was the space I had to look <laughs> and she wasn't there. Mm -mm. She was nowhere to be. I could hear her. I could hear her meowing. So I'm thinking, holy shit. Did the door get opened? Did mm -hmm. she get out? You know, like was the door between my apartment and the rest of the house, did that get open? Did she get out? And turns out, no. So you and I had gone out. We'd done things. And I was devastated because I was convinced. God, I remember that. That she was gone. Yeah. And, you know, Boots and I had, and I call her Boots because her eyes dilate like Puss in Boots from yeah. Shrek. And, uh. We'd, we'd been through a lot together, mm -hmm. and I was thinking, shit, this sucks. This blows. And I'm like, well, at least she's she's spayed, mm -hmm. so I know she's not out there whoring around. <laughs> and then Daphne was sitting on the couch in the, in the living room in the apartment, and I'm going, you know, it sounds crazy. But I can hear her. I can hear her meowing. Yeah. And Daphne was sitting on the couch and she goes, Jen? I go, yeah. I think I found the cat. And I go, what do you mean? She's like, this is going to sound weird, but like, I think she's in the couch. And it was a sleeper sofa. Yeah. So we start taking the couch apart and I'll be damned if she wasn't inside the couch. Yeah. And I had to pull her out. And she's just looking at me. Now, she was in there for two days. Yeah, yeah. Well, and she, she did it when we got the apartment together. She, she hid was... underneath the, it was like a recliner or whatever. And yeah. that was a funny thing because it pulled the chair back and it was this perfectly sized square of black hair. It looked, it was a little, little round. Yeah, it looked she like had a, a, she had a circle. Of it looked like a burn hair. mark and that's yeah. where she hung out all the time. And then but when... she's, uh, she's come to be. A staple of the house. She really has. You know. And if if you come into the house and you have a boot sighting, that's that's a good thing. Elsie actually she, got to see her for yeah. the first time. She got to hug her. Yeah. And she was like all up. She was right in Mystique's face and she's she's hugging her for like the third time in a row yeah. and Mystique goes <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, I yeah. think she's done else. 
Yeah. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, how could you? Yeah. You know how I feel about this. Yeah. But she's she's got a couple gray hairs now. She's got a whisker yeah. that's, that's turning gray. Well, she's getting old. She she is. She's what, 17? She's at least 15. Or 15, 15, yeah. 17. Yeah. Well, my brother had a cat that lived to like 23 or something like that. It's a black cat. And was that cat was a bitch. She would scratch everybody except him. And he was the one that found her. Yeah. Brought her home. Yeah. But she hated everyone else. Hated. And I can't define hate <laughs> like any clearer. Hated everyone else. No one could touch her. You get near the growl and the hiss. And, you yeah. know, it's like, okay. And that was my first experience with cats. Yeah. Fucking hated them. Hated yeah. cats. No, I, I. And then I, I had that. other experiences with cats that were okay, but I don't know. I just, I don't see the true purpose of a cat. I don't have like you and you and Boots have that relationship where you'll sit on the couch. She'll hop into your lap. I can actually you call her, her to come. Yeah. You call her lap. to come and she comes and all that. I never really had that that much. I mean, I had Sable, that one cat. She yeah. was a lover. Yeah, Sable and, loved everyone. Yeah, but that was the thing. She loved everyone, so I didn't feel like I had, you, you know. You weren't special. I wasn't special, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's where dogs have this, like, just crazy, con it's a consequence of their own actions, where they just make you the most important thing. Yeah. Like, you're just the most important thing. And you think it's you, but, like, when I walk into the house, like, Dean goes insane. Mm -hmm. But if a stranger walked into the house, he'd do the same fucking thing. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, you're new here. Oh, my God. This is this my is house. Awesome. Welcome to our house. This you is know. my squeaker. This is my favorite. This is my favorite squeaker. Wait, wait, let me get my snake because that's my second that's favorite. That's my second favorite squeaker. And over here is where my biscuits are. You yeah. Know, I just, yeah. I, th I have a feeling he would do that with anybody. I mean, he pretty yeah. much does that with everyone yeah. who comes to Yeah, the house. he's pretty much batting a thousand. Yeah. But, yeah. But with that being said, we obviously rambled enough on this podcast, on this I mean, episode. It's or kind I've, of what we do. Or I've rambled. However, <laughs> we uh we definitely gotta wrap it up. We've got uh we've got things we gotta do. We do. We got places we so, gotta go. However, next week we're not gonna leave you hanging like last week. No, we're not. Next week, what do we have, babe? Berserkers. I know. Yeah. I am very. We're, we're tackling the Viking Berserker. I, uh, I've always had a, uh, a very, uh, nice infatuation with Viking related stories. Cause they yes. just got the coolest, coolest stories. They really do. They they're, got the coolest. They're badass. They got the, like just the coolest lore, the legends, the yeah. superstitions, everything. We did buy a book on Norse mythology, so yeah. expect yeah. some Viking stories coming up. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. That being said. That being said, what do we got here? Have a great day. Have a wonderful week. One. One. No Ouija boards. No Ouija boards. Two. No, no dolls. dolls. Three. No, no capes. capes. Four. Four. No blood rituals. No blood rituals. Yeah. And and in in keeping with your blood rituals, stop cutting the, the palm of your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That being said, make good choices. Take care, folks. <laughs>